Great, I'm on. Um, I think I just heard Sajida pray, thank you for giving me a difficult life, not an easy one. I think that's what she prayed, and I'm like, that takes some <laughs> conviction to say that, to, uh, to stand and pray that. And it's in, wow, that's amazing. And in that spirit a little bit, I want to look at one of the, uh, oh, I've moved that off something that was holding it stable there. Uh, I want to have a look at one of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, we've been going through a, a series of them. So I'll put a little question mark there because I wasn't going to tell you what it was. Uh, so uh, thanks for that, mate. Um, <laughs> I was going to let you guess. But just pretend. My daughter, Lily, she, if something goes wrong and she's, you know, she just says, just pretend it didn't happen. Just pretend. So just pretend. Okay. So I have learned a lot from studying this particular uh, fruit of the spirit this week it's really uh, spoken to me when I got it when I I picked it I thought yeah that one would be good but I didn't really know a whole lot about it and as I've gone as I've been reading God has really spoken to me I've I've seen so much more than what I just saw at the start of it all and I want to encourage you to listen to think about this to apply it to your life so one of the things um, that I like about well so when we're talking about the fruit of the spirit right we're talking about fruit Fruit is it's nice. Fruit is nice, right? Who doesn't like fruit? Um, you don't like fruit? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Was not expecting that. <laughs> um, I like fruit. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I think I had an apple this week. Like, my favorite apples are pink ladies. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're so good, right? They're so sweet. They're so red and they're just nice. It's just amazing. They're attractive. And that actually fruit are designed to be attractive. They're designed so animals will eat them or whatever. You know, fruit is designed to be attractive. And I think that's one of the really important things for us to see about the fruit of the Spirit is that they are attractive. They're attractive when we have them in our lives because they're God. And that is attractive. Um, and as a church, one of our things is reaching out to people. We want to reach out to people um, in our community, we want to bring God to them. So we want to be attractive. So the fruit of the Spirit is very important for that. We want to be attractive. We want to say to people, you know, come and, come and be a disciple. We want to share our God with people. We want them to know um, his attributes. So fruit is so important. Um, you know, and sometimes I think as a, you know, a church, it's easy to focus on like the big fruit of the Spirit, you know, when we were dishing out who would do the various fruit of the Spirit, those ones went like that, you know, love, joy, peace, they went straight away, um, and uh, <laughs> then there was just a few left, over. so it's easy for us to focus on those ones, love, you know, the church, who doesn't know the church is about love, church, you know, the church is, you know, it talks about love a lot, we, we communicate love, the church is about love, um, and the church is about joy, and that's attractive, these Things attractive to people, joy, love, peace in a world that's kind of stressed out and anxious, then these things are hugely attractive. But interestingly, this particular fruit of the Spirit that's on my heart that I've been looking at, we don't often think about it in those terms. But funnily enough, Jesus says more than any of those other fruit that we're more familiar with, this fruit is the important one when we're thinking about the job that we have to do as a church. So let me read you out this verse. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. 
Right? As a church, I think we have a mission to reach out to all those who are weary and burdened. That's what we do. That's why we've set up a food bank, and that's why we've set up um, CAP and TLG and all these things. We're reaching out to people who are weary and burdened. And he says, I will give you rest. Um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So take my yoke. The yoke is referring to the teachings. So they referred to their, the, you know, the teachings uh, as following uh, um, like a, a teacher. You'd say, take my yoke upon you. And, so, and that's what we want people to do. We want, to le- we want them to learn about God. Come to us and we'll show you about God. We'll teach you about God. If you are weary, if you are burdened, come. Uh, that's what we want to be as a church, isn't it? That's who we are. Um, so yeah, if we want people to follow after God, if we want them to learn about who he is, if we want the weary to come, then more than any other gift, more than any other thing, this is the one that Jesus says, come to me for I am gentle. I am gentle. That's not what we'd think of straight away. Come to me. For, if, you are, if you are reaching out, if you are handling the broken, what do you need more than anything else? Gentleness. Okay, so <laughs> um, over the course of a couple of weeks now, I've been looking into this little bit by bit, just kind of trying to figure out, you know, what is this gentleness? What, what are we talking about here? Um, and uh, thinking about how I would communicate, how we would talk about it. Um, there's a guy who does a, a Bible commentary, and he, uh, he's called Barclay, and he, he actually says, gentleness is the hardest word in the whole of the New Testament Greek to define. So he's got the whole of all those words. He's a, a New Testament scholar. That's his job. And he says, gentleness, the word that they use for gentleness in the New Testament, which is preutes, is the hardest word in the whole of the New Testament to define. What that says to me is, the word gentleness might not actually sum it up very well. There's actually a lot more to it. We really need to start to think and, you know, like put our learning hat on. We need to know something more. There's something more than it just is contained in the word gentleness um, in this word preutes, which is the gift of the Spirit that we're referring to here. There's so much more we could learn. So what is it? Well, I don't know about you, so it's sometimes translated meekness. Gentleness, meekness, humbleness. And uh, I don't know about you, but I think when I hear gentleness and meekness, I think softness and weakness. That's the first thing that comes into my head, sort of this kind of meek. Who, who would want to be meek? Like, you know, just when I think of that word, I don't have a very good image in my head. I don't want to be meek. That's somebody who didn't speak up. That's somebody who's beaten down by life. That doesn't seem like a very good image. So, but that's not what the, the biblical image of preutes is, the, the Greek word. It's really interesting. Um, so I'm going to give you a little definition here. I've had to write some notes because there's a lot of like, uh, you know, complicated definitions in here. So the Platonic, Plato, he, he is one of the Greeks. They're, they're allowed to define their words. Uh, the Platonic definition says that preutes is the regulation of the movement of the soul caused by anger. Okay, when I read that, I think, okay, this is going to be complicated. <laughs> so the regulation of the movement of the soul caused by anger. I guess that's the kind of flush of anger and the regulation of that. He also goes on, it is the temperament of a soul in which everything is mixed in the right proportions. The temperament of a soul 
everything is mixed. So there's this idea of regulating, which is kind of self-controlling, but it's also the temperament that that looks like all the time. This, this person has priorities because they have the temperament, so they have the way of being um, of a soul which everything is mixed in the right proportions. Um, so, yeah. As I sat and thought about this, oh, gentleness, like, what is it? What, how am I going to think about this? And you're thinking about all the ways you could deliver this message. I felt like God spoke to me, not just once, twice. And he said to me, I'm, I'm thinking, how am I going to talk about gentleness? Those of you who've been, like, listening to me, uh, chatting with me over the, the last few uh, weeks will know, like, how the heck? That's what I've been saying to me. How the heck am I going to talk about gentleness? Um, and I felt like God said, point them towards me. Point them towards me, Twice. Right, so when I got off track a bit, he said, no, no, point them towards me. So listen, if you want to learn about God, if you want to learn about preutes, if you want to learn about gentleness, let's look at God together. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And actually, that's Galatians 5, isn't it? Um, oh, should have got that one open on the page. Um, he says, anyway, if I don't get this, it's a race against time. Okay. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, preutes, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We've got to keep in step with what Jesus is doing. So this is how we keep in step. We look at him. If you want to keep in step with somebody, you've got to look at him. And this is how we do that. So we're looking at him together. So we're going to look at priorities in three areas. So first of all, priorities towards the individual. Um, secondly, priorities towards God. So this is our heart towards God. And then finally, priorities towards the world. So our gentleness towards the world around us, our gentleness towards God, which suddenly you start to see like, hold on, this word's no good. Um, and then our gentleness towards the people around us, which is kind of our vision, isn't it? As a church, this is, a, this is looking at our vision, loving God, loving people, loving our communities. So this is gentleness. This is the, if you want to help handle the broken, this is how you do it. So, have you ever met anybody who has what you would think of as a gentle spirit? Somebody who you can go to when you're all heightened with emotions and you're all worked up. And you can go to that person and they bring calm to you. They bring a spirit of gentleness. They're not afraid of what's going on in your world. They're not freaked out by it, but they will stand there with you. That's preutes. That's a gentle spirit. And most, first and foremost, I want to point you towards Jesus in that. Um, Jesus is that, and we need to be that as well. If we're, if we're going to walk in step with him, we have to look at him. So let's look. So first of all, this is one of the best examples I could find out of this happening in the New Testament. So this is Jesus in John 8 um, with a woman caught in the act of adultery. Okay, so you might know this passage, but we'll read it together. So Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came into the temple and all the people were coming to him and sat down and, and, oh, sorry, and he sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, having set her in the middle of the court. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. So what they're doing here is they're laying a trap. They're laying a trap, which is they're trying to catch him. 
Okay, because they know, and he goes on to say, now in the law of Moses, uh, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? So Jesus is, is stood there. He's just trying to do some teaching and, and as usual, his enemies have come to him to try and catch him in a trap. So this is a very tense situation, not only for Jesus, but especially for this woman. Okay, she, they're, they're threatening, they're debating whether this woman should be stoned to death right in front of them all. This is, it's, I can't tell you how, you know, imagine the tension in the room as somebody comes in and says, should we stone her or not? So on the one hand, Jesus has the law, which God set up the law that says the punishment for adultery is death. The punishment for sin is death. And so you've got that on the one hand. On the other hand, you've got this idea of compassion. How do we look after people? How do we set them up? How do we you know, um, deal with that? And so they, they know they've, they've put him on the horns of a dilemma. They've caught him in this situation. So what's he going to do? Is he going to say... Um, Yep, stone her to death. That's, that's the way it is, guys. That's the law. That's what we've got to do. That's what God says. Or is he going to go soft? Or is he going to go, ah, adultery's not as bad as you think. You know, come on, guys. You know, it's not that bad, is it? And it, it, he, he knows, they know he can't do either of those things because of what he has been saying. So what does he do? Watch Praeutes in action. It says, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. What's he doing there? Like, there's all this tension. There's all this whirlwind of emotion going on around him. There's, um, people are demanding a decision out of him, and Jesus stoops down and writes on the ground with his finger. That's a funny way to be in the midst of a battle, isn't it? In the, in the midst of all this stuff going on. And yet, that's what he does. A lot of people have speculated what he wrote down, you know, all these sins of other people or whatever. But I don't think necessarily that's the point. I think the point is not what he wrote, but that he wrote. That in the middle of all this, he stoops down. Oh, <laughs> you know, somebody's just said this woman should be killed. What are you going to do about it? And he's writing on the ground with his finger. I think there's something about him controlling his emotions. It's that um, the regulation of the movement of the soul. Um, the temperament of a soul in which everything is mixed in the right proportions. That's what we're seeing here. Um, and so then, he doesn't rush in. There's not an, uh, an arrogant attitude. Why are you saying this? You know, or, why are you trying to trap me? There's no arrogance there. No, his preutes, everything's in balance. And he says, and he says, but when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. In other words, he says, yes, that is the right interpretation of the law. That is the right um, consequences for sin. But then he says, have a look at yourself. Have a look at yourself. What ground are you standing on whilst you're hurling these stones? Have a look at that. And, and then if you feel like you are stood on solid enough ground to condemn another sinner, then go ahead and throw it. Wow, that takes quite some guts. It only, it'd only take one, per, one cocky person, wouldn't it? You, do you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty worrying. So, yeah, wow, that's pretty. But, and then it, what happens? Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, I wonder why it says that. So I guess older people have a, maybe a better understanding of life. <laughs> They've journeyed through it a little while. And they're like, yeah, all right, fair enough. 
stones down. <laughs> and then he was left alone. He was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the center of the court. Wow. So he says to her, straighten up. Where are your accusers? Did no one condemn you? And she says, no one, Lord. No, she calls him Lord at that point. I'd be calling him Lord too as well. You just saved a life. This is pretty big. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. But then he says, this is the important bit, and it's definitely included, go from now on, sin no more. So the sin doesn't go away. The, you know, the action didn't become not wrong. He says, go and sin no more. And this is the point. There's, we've got to walk a fine line between the, uh, the legalism and the compassion that we have to understand how we're going to do this. And the only way you can navigate that is through priorities. Otherwise, if you are not got the correct temperament, if you've not got that gentleness, you will leap over to jump into conclusions and you'll have the stones in your hands ready to throw. Or on the other hand, you'll be like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Come on, it doesn't matter. No, both those things, the fullness of the law uh, is, is contained in that and the fullness of compassion, they're both there. But it takes gentleness. It takes God's spirit to handle that. So gentleness is described as having the power but to know how to restrain yourself for the good of those around you. Um, brilliant verse in Galatians it, that gives us a, a really good clue onto how much this comes up. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself. Have a look. You've got a stone in your hand. Have a look at yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Wow. It's strong, isn't it? It's, that's a strength. That's not a softness. This is what I, I'm beginning to see. So I want to just give you a little, leave you with an image. So this is, this is the, my image for uh, how we show gentleness towards the individual. So Jesus comes along and he has one arm around this woman, picking her up off the ground. And he has one arm holding off the condemnation, the stones of the world around him. And he restores her to her feet. But he doesn't go soft. He's not, he doesn't pretend it's not happening. He brings genuine restoration. He gets her on her feet. She goes on and lives a life. And he says, go and sin no more. Okay. So we have to face up to the reality of um, our brokenness. So I've got to move on because we're a little bit short on time. So priorities towards God. So I, this is, there's another definition of um, priorities. You know, there's so many different versions that help us understand. So the Greek word um, when you read it in other Greek literature, it's to describe a horse that someone has broken in and trained. Okay, so I have a dog. Uh, name is Pip, and she's, we got her as a puppy. We've had her 11 months. We're sort of trying to train her. She's kind of, you know, tough going. She's, she's really clever. So she's a border collie cross a Kelpie, which is an Australian sheepdog. So she's half Australian, half English like me. And um, she, um, she's got so much, like, flipping heck. She's so clever. She's got so much energy. It's unbelievable. Um, the other day, just to give you a so the one thing we can't teach her very well, we've taught her so many stuff, but the one thing we're struggling to teach is to get her to come back. She won't come back. She just, you know, stares away, does her own thing. She can't let her off the lead, but she needs so much exercise. So you're, like, trying to walk her all the time, and she's straining, and you want to let her off, but you know you'll never get her back if you do. It's so frustrating. Anyway, so we, we try and find places where there's nobody else around. So we went up on the moors, uh, like in the middle of nowhere, um, 
and we've got her on this little road with walls on either side. I'm like, I'm safe here. And she's belting up and down. And, you know, every now and again, she'll see a gate, but she can't get through. And we're like, Phew. anyway, we got to this bit. And I could see in front of me the whole of this moorland covered in sheep. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And, and she's going around. And I just came around the corner. And I saw a gate. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Because the, the amount of energy she's got straining to go. She would have been gone. You know, she would have absolutely... Like, you know, you just would not have seen her. I can't emphasize enough how fast she is and how much uh, out of my control she is. Anyway, we got around this thing. We breathed a sigh of relief. Oh, thank goodness the gate's there. And then she just jumped through it (laughs) and went. Oh, it was so stressful. There was sheep flying everywhere. She covered a quarter of a mile in seconds. Like, it was like a, a watching a racing car go. She was like, and all these sheep, like going miles everywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, no, the farmer's going to come out on his quad bike and start shooting. You're like, oh, the terror. How am I going to tell the kids? You know, I mean, like, we're running around, dropping stuff, and like taking my backpack off. I tried to chase after. It was ridiculous watching a human try and keep up with this dog. She was in her environment. She's absolutely flying. Anyway, eventually we got her back. Um, no lives were lost. Um, and um, I got her back. So we, we've been training all along. She's getting to a point now where she actually can take a bit of instruction. Um, she's, she's beginning to bring the frisbee back for me and stuff like that. Um, but what I've noticed is, so Sam takes her out to these training classes. And when we begin these training classes... Uh, she comes back and she'll do stuff with her and she's learnt all this stuff and she'll be like, go like this and that. The dog just calmly walks up and touches its nose on her hand and she goes, click, well done. And the dog's like, all right, cool. And then, you know, it can, it can do all this stuff. What I notice is it, it takes on this calm temperament. It takes on this gentle spirit when it's doing these things. When it's like running around chasing sheep or if it ever gets off the lead, it's got this flipping arrogance about it. I want to smack it. It, like, it comes over and it comes close like this, and then it runs away. And it's just it, like it'll run around me because it's a, a sheepdog. So it'll just run around me at a distance. And it just looks so cocky. And I'm like, you little toe rag. <laughs> it's so frustrating. But then once you get, it gets in this different mode of thought, this different place in its head, and it'll do anything. It's so clever. It's like it's ridiculous, this dog. So what's that got to do with anything? Well, that is the Greek definition of how we are to be towards God. This trainable, that's the word that they use, a teachable spirit. Um, So I think a couple of good examples of this. Jesus, um, when he's being tempted, he's listening to his father, he's humbling himself, and he's gentle in how he goes about that. But the best one of all is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he is going to his death. He knows it. He's beginning to feel the full weight of it. And he's absolutely being crushed by the weight of what's about you. Not only is he about to be tortured, give his life. This is the end of his run. His disciples, they're not going to know what's going on. All that stuff. But he's about to be crushed before God. His purpose, everything. You know, he's going to be abandoned on the cross to die. And he begins to feel the full weight of it. Feeling the full weight of it. Now, in our lives, we often feel the full weight of our circumstances that are going on around us. Like there's all these competing things that are are pressing down on us. And priorities, gentleness, moderates that and brings itself to God in the midst of it all. And it says, right, so here's what, going a little farther, he, this is Jesus, fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, 
if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, meaning this cup of suffering that I'm about to drink. Can I not have to do that? Is it possible? Please, there must be a way. He's feeling the full weight of the circumstances, emotions, everything. But then he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. That's priorities. That's our gentleness towards God. That's our um, being able to work with our master like a, a horse with a bridle, with a, like a dog that's been trained. That's how we come towards Father. That's how we engage with him in gentleness, in priorities. On the cross, whilst experiencing that suffering, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know what they do. Are you getting an image of, of something that's a little bit different to it's not just a softness is it it's not just a, it's a strength it takes great strength to moderate all that to balance all that out to see your way through that so yeah my, my image for this bit of, of how we are towards God is is the well-trained animal I, so I read these I saw these documentaries about these dogs um, that they're so well-trained that not on, like I think about what my dog can do it's getting there but like these dogs they go rescue people that have landed in avalanches. And you've got about 13 minutes to get out of an avalanche when you're in because that's your survival time. After that, it's not looking good. But these dogs, they have to, they, yes, they have to sniff people out. They have to be able to get on a helicopter to get there super fast and not flinch. They have to be able to go towards that big thing with whirring blades that they don't know what is, get in it with their, with their handler, jump out onto the mountain, get down and start looking for people straight away without thinking, oh, I'll do my own thing like my dog does. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's incredible. And they're working together, hand in hand with their master. They have this relationship. And that is the priorities. That's the teachable, gentle spirit. And they go and sail, save lives. Imagine you're trapped in a flipping avalanche and like you think you're dead. It's all black. And then some big black furry nose comes poking in your face. <laughs> How cool would that be? That's, that's, when we, that's what God can do to us for the, for the people around us. We're those sniffer dogs if we are teachable, if we are able to manage ourselves, if we don't run away from the helicopter wearing blades. Gentleness is the only way you can follow after Jesus because that's the path he goes on. Right. Finally, priorities, gentleness towards the world. So this is the last bit. Jesus doesn't come into the world to condemn the world. He comes into the world to save the world. And so in order for us to do that, we have to have priorities. We have to have this gentleness. You know, the, the other time Jesus referred to as gentle, so there was, come unto me for I am gentle, but then um, there's a, a prophecy about Jesus that they refer to when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on his donkey, and it says, behold, your king, your king, our king, comes gentle and riding on a donkey. Do we know what that means? Are we getting a picture of what that is? So Jesus, at the time, they're thinking, you know, he's standing up there and he's saying, you know, things shouldn't be like they are. They should be like this. And people are following him. He's beginning to amass followers and they're thinking, he's a political leader. Is he going to be a military leader? Is he going to overthrow the Romans? Is that, is that what's happened? Because Israel at the time is being oppressed by Rome. It's being owned by Rome. They have to pay the taxes to Caesar, render unto Caesar. You know, who's he? He's not Israeli. Um, and um, 
so they're being oppressed. So that when they see Jesus saying, this is the way the kingdom is, this is the way, they're expecting him to come and set up himself as maybe as a military ruler or a big political leader. And here he is riding into the capital, riding into Jerusalem. And how's he doing it? Humbly and on a donkey. It's at the fall of a donkey. It says a colt. They're actually the words that uh, Greek literature uses priorities for. Um, so I want us to, to challenge us to look at the world around us through the eyes of gentleness, through different lens to what we might look. So sometimes it's pretty easy to look around at the world and say, you know what, the world's gone to the dogs. It's not very good. I'm having nothing to do with it. It's not too flash around here anymore. It used to be all right, but it's not so good anymore. But that doesn't get us anywhere. That doesn't show priorities. That doesn't show gentleness for, um, for the world. So what Jesus does is he gets on his donkey. And I'll just give you this bit of, bit of an image here. Obviously, it's not that accurate, but you can just in, draw the, your own conclusions. Jesus gets on this donkey. Instead of a horse, instead of a chariot, he gets on a humble donkey, and he starts riding down the streets towards Jerusalem. And on his way, dodges around the potholes that the council haven't fixed because um, they haven't done a very good job with uh, how they balance the budget up that, that year. And uh, what else does he do? Oh, he dodges other donkey drivers on the way <laughs> who are not using the roads pop- properly. He keeps going. He's still riding towards Jerusalem. And he looks at Jerusalem and, and all the buildings in Jerusalem, they're not what they used to be, like when King David was there and Solomon, and it was the richest place in the whole. And the temple, the temple, this is Temple Mark II or three. I can't even remember. It's been destroyed, but once it was amazing. But now it's a bit naff in comparison to what it used to be. And he looks around at Jerusalem and probably sees a bunch of kids as he's riding his donkey towards Jerusalem, and they're not probably doing what they should be. Probably got hoods up. <laughs> and he carries on driving on his donkey, and he probably sees some young mums not doing mum very well, doing the way things should be, and he sees some broken families, and then he probably sees a Roman officer who he didn't vote for. He didn't vote for them. But he keeps on riding his donkey humbly towards Jerusalem. And he goes, and what's he doing? Why is he going there? Because he's our king, right? He's going to give his life for that. He sees all that brokenness, all of it. He sees more than we see. He doesn't write it off. He knows it's bad. He knows the sin is there. He knows the woman's caught in the act of adultery. He sees all that, but he doesn't condemn it. He goes to give his life for it. That is the path that we're called to follow. That is priorities. Behold, your king comes gentle. Priorities. Riding on a donkey. That's who we are called to be. That's how we are called to engage with the world around us, to engage with God above us and to engage with our brothers and sisters around us through the spirit of gentleness. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I pray rather than just look at the problems around us, rather than look at the sin, Rather than look at the brokenness, we'll be challenged to look at you, to look at your response to that. It's not obvious when we're caught on the horns of a dilemma what we should do. Should we stone? Should we let off? What should we do? We look at you. You are our image, Father. So help us to keep looking at Jesus. Help us to, together to spend the time to look at who you are and what you do and get to know your nature because you are gentle. 
and you are humble. So that has to be the answer, whether we see it or not. Help us to walk that difficult walk, not the easy walk. Help us to walk the difficult walk for the sake of those around us. Amen.